Welcome to Bite Side. I'm Seamus Byrne. This is a show about tech, digital culture, games. I always forgot what else it was about. Um, and we talk about all that stuff and how it's influencing society and the way we live and generally get our rant on now and then. Uh, and joining me is the illustrious Nick Healy, who is a fabulous breakfast radio host from the central area of what region is it called, the Dubbo Region? Central it's the Plains? Western Plains. It's the Western Plains. Western Plains. Lovely. Western Plains. Do not confuse us with the Central West. We'll go to battle over Or that. the Central Slopes and Plains. I remember learning all the regions of New South Wales in primary school. But... It gets really confusing. You know, what the hell? Let's just dive in on this because it's actually really entertaining to me because we are Central West Slopes and Plains if I'm looking at the weather. We are the Arana region for a large amount of uh, when it comes to development and uh, even our fire season, but we're really quite close to Kudjigong. But Kudjigong's part of the Midwestern Shire. We're part of Dubbo Regional Council. We're near the Central West, but we're also part of the Far West as well and, in general, Western New South Wales. And, look, that is all <laughs> critical knowledge when you host breakfast radio for the region so we've all learned a few valuable things about dubbo today yes and of course you know we all need to spend more time out at the zoo Head we out do. There, go it's to the fantastic zoo. at the moment the, Get out. the core of the spring season might be passing by now less of the <laughs> less of the inappropriate animal activities yeah uh, we can only hope so <laughs> All I right. did actually have some mates in town on the weekend who came up for the zoo and they loved it. Let's talk about a very different zoo. I'm currently drinking a beer at the moment uh, from Old Wives Ales called Old Man Yells at Cloud, and I'm <laughs> dedicating it to the presidential debate that was just on today. Did you watch Seamus Byrne? I did, right? Like, right, it is not in the in the wheelhouse of the things I have to care about for my work at the moment, but I am a political junkie and I knew it would be a frustrating affair, but I had to hate watch that thing. And boy, it was a time. It was really... was significantly worse than I thought it was going to be, and yeah. I don't want to take a lot of time with this, but um, uh, it was frustrating, it was infuriating. I think it was one of the most poorly moderated debates I've seen in a long time. Chris Wallace is not a bad journalist. He demonstrated himself to be a terrible moderator for the majority of that. And um, I've got to say, just looking at social media, looking at the way people are writing up, if you were already a decided voter Nothing changed just then. And if you were an undecided voter, I don't think anything changed for you just then either. I don't think that in the grand scheme of things, that debate made a lick of difference to the election coming in November. Yeah, and I really got that feeling. Like the big takeaway for me was this is what it looks like when someone tries to have a good faith argument about politics and they are being opposed by somebody who is just all about not caring about anything to do with decorum or rules or even the truth um, and just says whatever they feel like it. And that the moderator was also trying to kind of run it from a place of good faith. And therefore, you're like, at some point, one of these other people needs to just turn around and go, shut up. 
shut up. And like, you know, Biden sort of did it once, but then almost you could see he kind of regretted regretted kind of slightly losing his call. And it's like somebody needs to lose their call with this dude because he's just going to run right over the top of everybody and his kind of base is just going to go, yeah, did you see that? Woo! Um, it- yeah. Was the probably only the realest part of the debate was Biden saying, Would you shut up, man? Yeah. It was just quite amazing. It was probably the only thing. Look, um, I wanted to touch back on something we talked about last time. Yeah. Uh the NBN upgrade. Yeah. I did say at the time I was going to be talking to the Minister for Regional Communications, Mark Colton, the next day. I did. Um he interestingly enough committed that. of the new fibre connections would be outside of the metro area. So there is a dedicated push to making sure it makes a difference for regional areas. He also very strongly denied that it's the Labor NBN just many years later and several billion dollars more. But, hey, I mean, he was always going to deny that. Um, I think there could be a real chance for this to make a difference in some regional areas. Yeah. And look, you know, one thing as I've sort of done a bit more reading along the way as well is that, you know, when we talk about those differences, one clear thing, you know, it isn't the Labor MBN in the sense that it's not actually like the things I've been seeing is it's not an upgrade to the existing setup, but rather they're going to be running separate fibre lines down streets. And it's it's like they're not kind of taking your connection from the local node and turning that into a fiber connection, the the idea is that they're going to be sort of running separate cables and it's like yet another layer of confusion on top of everything that they've built so far. So, you know, if there was one thing about that original plan was it might have been slower and maybe in the end it, it would have been more expensive. Like we'll never know all those kinds of things. But if they'd done it that first way in the way that, Good old Tony Windsor said, do it once, do it right, do it with fibre, as people had told him. It's like, well, then we would be at that place in the long term where you sort of go, well, look at that. We've got all this fibre in the ground and there's no mess and there's no fuss and everybody knows what they've got. And thanks very much, everybody. We just now upgrade the endpoints. But this is now kind of creating this next wave of confusion. But the one thing, and you're right, like the big thing that I care about most of all is just making sure that whether it's by 2023, whatever it is, I'd love the idea that anybody could move into any house and put their hand up and say, yes, I want full fiber, I'm willing to pay for it, and then that will happen for them within a reasonable amount of time. If we get to that place, then we can forget everything that's kind of happened over the last 10 years. We can go, yeah, look, you know, there's regrets and there's things we wish had happened differently, but that would be a great result for everybody. Well, I can assure you that is never going to happen because there will still be plenty of people on Sky Muster. Um, I'm really a bit worried about the way they're going to be rolling out these new uh, to-the-home connections because it's obviously the user saying, I need this here, and I'm worried it's going to turn into a weird style of user pays digital divide where someone next door to you, not because they're paying for the speed of that connection, but because they're paid for the infrastructure can have a very different internet experience to you. I just need to see how this is actually going to work on a practical level. Well, yeah, if there's one thing that this government's been always good good at, it's making the announcement and really struggling to explain any of the details. Nick, let's move on to something related <laughs> to the MBN. Because oh, we could. We could spend all day in the MBN. We could. We um, could. Let's do it. But one thing, yeah, that has come out in the last couple of days as well is 
Uh, the latest update on telecommunications industry ombudsman, TIO complaints, and I hear that they are off the charts. They are absolutely off the charts. Now, just really quickly, have you ever made a TIO complaint? No, I've, I've threatened one. Um, and, you know, I do have that positive experience where the threat by itself is often enough to get people to kind of get a bit of a wriggle on um, because it does cost them money when you make a complaint. So it's always good to remember that up your sleeve. But, no, I haven't had to go through the process. So I did. I did back in Sydney have to um, with my uh, unnamed ISP, but a name many people would be familiar with. Um, and boy, oh boy, I've never seen a quicker reaction from customer service in my entire life. I had a dedicated person who was going to walk me through everything that needed to change for me within about an hour of making that complaint. It was really quite remarkable. Ignore all of that. I just wanted to let you know just how <laughs> effective TIO complaints are. 1,500% increase from this time last year. Sorry? 1,500% <laughs> increase from this time last year. Now, <sighs> this is actually about complaints about not being able to get in touch with their telco that the complaints themselves cannot be made because the telco is unreachable. And we think it's a COVID-19 effect. Offshore oh my God. call centres were shut down. So people who in good faith in Australia were trying to call the customer service line, there wasn't one. It didn't exist anymore. There was no way in getting in touch with their telco. Yeah, that is messed up. That is seriously, seriously messed up. It's a really big deal because, you know, we should have seen this coming. We This, this should have been the obvious end point of offshoring call centres. I'm not saying that they can't be great out there, and I'm certainly not suggesting that somehow a call centre being outside of Australia means that there's less uh, skill involved. I, I think there's been some great ones. I've dealt with offshore call centres a, a lot, and I had some incredibly good experiences with them. But what it does mean is that when we have something like a global pandemic that affects different countries in different ways, you run the risk of losing thousands of your workforce without being able to do a single thing about it. Yeah. And, like, the one that always hits me is it's, I guess, that example of, yep, we we absolutely want to and many times need to kind of shave that five bucks a month off our, you know, deals or, you know, sometimes it's even like it's a super bargain that you're getting from some of these companies that have really kind of found their way to yep. minimize all of these costs. But it's like our phones and our internet are now critical. And it's and it's the kind of thing where you kind of sometimes only learn this stuff the hard way that you are suddenly super stuck if something goes wrong and I kind of, that's where I, you know, always end up sort of coming back to that thing of trying to make sure that I feel like I'm working with a company that I can rely on when it comes to what if something goes wrong, not just, well, if it's smooth sailing all the time, then the cheap deal is great. Look, I'll go back to my experience with my current ISP, Aussie, when I actually contacted them and said, should I upgrade to one of your faster plans? And they ran a speed test on my line for me and said, no, you won't actually see much of a change given where you are and what your connection is. I know it would have only been an extra, you know, 10, 20 bucks a month for them, but they said no to me 
when I offered to pay that extra. Yeah. So I felt like I got genuine customer service from them. Little things like that make a huge difference and give me a lot of trust for a company. Yeah. And look, I know some people here locally and, you know, who particularly they were, you know, trying to consolidate, you know, a, a business set up in their home as well as the home set up and they kind of thought they'd found a good deal and then sort of they realized that actually they were having problems with, you know, that the, the connection seemed less reliable than it used to be and they just got no help at all and suddenly realized that, you know, they'd put themselves on some kind of contract that they basically had to go to the TAO and get that kind of issue sorted out that way. And that's exactly, I'm sure, why these complaints are up so much is that, to kind of just hit that wall where you say, okay, I now need to find out how to actually force something to happen because otherwise these people are just going to say they get to keep taking money from me even though they're not doing what I need them to do. I couldn't agree more. And, you know, that, that <laughs> there is nothing more frustrating than trying to contact any business, any company, any level of customer service and being stonewalled either by them or just by the lack of contact being available. How many times have you tried to hunt down a phone number for a company or an email address and only been able to find a web form? And I have no confidence that a web form goes anywhere but yeah. a spam folder. Yeah, absolutely. None at all. Yeah. And look, you know, some of the features that I used to love, I don't know if Aussie does this, I'm still with iNet and I, and it, you know, out of laziness in, in a lot of respects, um, because when they sort of were bought by TPG, there was the, like a lot of the things that iNet used to be famous for started to get shaved out of their setup. But, you know, at the very least, I know that mostly when I'm talking to a call center, it's a local call center. Um, but like one of those great features they used to have where you would essentially get in a digital queue when you rang and then they would say, we will call you back when you get to the front of the queue. And it was like, that was such a fantastic customer service thing to not force you to sit there for potentially an hour or an hour and a half waiting. Um while at the same time kind of giving them the cost benefits of not needing to have, you know, 50 people managing customer service to make it faster, but just to go, yeah, when, our, when the next agent is ready, you're in a queue and they will ring you and now you can go and get on with your day until that phone call comes to you. That was great. But so that's gone simple. now. <laughs> so simple. Yeah, yeah, of course it has. Yeah. Oh, we've got to get rid of the things that work, don't you? <laughs> uh, remember when Vodafone were making such a big deal over the fact that they were actually creating call centres, I think one in Tasmania, and it was a really big deal. They were bringing call centres back to Australia. Yeah, yeah. Did that stick around? I don't remember. I seemed to, my gut says that no, I have a feeling, it hasn't stuck around. Yeah, because I have a feeling they wouldn't be then doing a big ad campaign when they reversed that decision. <laughs> 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 All right. Do you have home security? Have, have you got cameras? Have you got anything like that? Yes, Nick. I have a very advanced security system. Please, nobody come to my house to try to test out the awesome security. Um <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I am currently looking into getting a camera for the front door because I, I'm kind of around the back side of the house. And so, you know, with deliveries and stuff coming, I would often, like I've had occasion where I've missed them. So I am going to get a camera so that I can actually see people come into the door. Apart from that, I do have sort of, you know, locks and Yeah, no, no, alarms, of course, of course. All the uh, basics. Look, if it 
If you're worried about couriers and delivery, don't bother uh, with a camera. They wear a cloak of invisibility and just <laughs> true. You, you can you can stand by that door and suddenly you'll find yourself holding a "sorry we missed you" card with no memory of anything <laughs> in between. It's like a magic trick. Um, have you seen the Always Home Cam from Ring, one of the Amazon products? Um, yes, and it is both both. It is. <laughs> Both glorious and dystopian, and I don't know what to make of it. <laughs> it is, for anyone who hasn't seen it, 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 it's a flying drone. It's literally a camera that flies around your house, either automatically when it hears a sound. Uh, it's You can teach it how to go. It can be fully autonomous. Or you can command it to go and look at things that you need to see. Uh, and the idea is that instead of having, you know, a camera for each room or a camera where you need it or only on the front door, all those sort of things that some people are worried about, it is a single mobile camera going where it needs to be. I'm, I just, you know, the idea of a drone and a home security camera so makes so much sense now, but I didn't think of it before I saw this. And it is one of those weird kind of combining two things that when you hear them combined, you're like, oh, yeah, that makes so much sense. Why didn't we do that before? Yeah, um, it, it really does. It's the kind of thing where you just you see that and... And as he's like, you know, because every time we've had like, remember um, Asus announced their kind of, I've forgotten its name already, the rolling around little robot that's going to hang oh, out. Oh, Zen Boy. Zen, yes. Um, and, you know, it was all that kind of thing where you go, this is kind of clever until you then think about um, stairs and just generally <laughs> that idea that it's driving around at a really low awkward angle and can't really see things very well. Um, all the kind of things where you go, it's just kind of impractical without it being kind of a much bigger thing. And suddenly you go, oh, what if it's a really reliable little kind of flying drone that's able to... Like, then suddenly you go, of course, that can navigate past stupid things. It could go upstairs. Like, there's no problems that as long as it's a reliable flying device and we've gotten to that place where many of them are really quite reliable as kind of stable, clever drones, um, then, yeah, it's just... It's a really good idea. Um the thing that always just freaks the hell out of me is the fact that it's by ring and that they've made like arrangements with police agencies to give access to door cameras and stuff. Yeah. And you're like, I don't know if I want that company to be giving remote access to any camera if I can't trust them to not give that access to the police. They've given a nod to that. They're saying that it only records when it's in flight. In fact, the charging dock is designed that it actually blocks the camera itself when the drone redocks for charging. Um, and, you know, I don't know. I, the things they're suggesting, like, I didn't know if I left the iron on. I can make the drone fly and check if the iron's there. That's, that is great for OCD that's smart. folks. That is really good. It kind of is. Is the front door actually locked? All of those things. Look, it's indoor only. Yeah. It won't be long until we see a ruggedized outdoor version from someone, obviously. Um, I know a lot of people have said, well, hang on, how big is this battery? I imagine not big. But what yeah, do you need? More need than to, more yeah. than five minutes of flying time? No, you don't between charges. Exactly. Maybe ten minutes at most. Yeah, it can do a lap and like go and check whatever it was that it thought you know needed to be checked and then go back and dock itself. I think yeah, that it was funny that, you know, like self docking is kind of one of the most important things for all this, you know, Roombas and and all these kinds of autonomous home drones. It's like if you 
ever have to engage with it to make it charge, then it's already wrong. And I think they've solved that kind of issue so well that you're right. I think a question of how long will the battery last, it's like long enough, long enough to go and do what it needed to do and get back to where it came from. (laughs) What a great way of putting it, long enough. Um, And look, you mentioned the um, uh, vacuum cleaners. I have made the plunge. I will be picking up my new robot vacuum cleaner over the long weekend. Um, Boy, it feels lazy, but I'm really interested to see how it goes. So um, I I will update people in a couple of weeks about my first experience uh, with a vacuum cleaner, with, um, I don't know, whatever whatever I'm going to call it. I'm going to come up with a name. Let's head outside for a bit. Okay. The garden. I have you- recently, and this is just so random, I have bought myself an app that will tell me what all the plants in my garden are. It's basically Shazam for plants. I take a photo and it'll tell me almost automatically exactly what I'm looking at. Because I bought this place when we were still in full drought in um, uh, Dubbo, there's things cropping up now that we've actually had a fairly wet year and we're looking at a wet spring. La Nina has been declared as of yesterday. Um, I don't know what's in my garden. Things are growing, which I've never seen before. (laughs) And I'm like, uh, because they weren't able to grow. I've discovered I've got Spanish bluebells everywhere and purple bearded irises. And I'm loving every second of this. It is a really, really simple app. Um, I assume it's probably selling my plant photos to somebody. I don't know. It seems (laughs) like it can't be doing it. Uh, You know, it's cost me 30 bucks for a year. I've never been happier because I keep spending time looking at things in the garden going, is that a weed? Have I just left it there because I think it's a bit pretty when actually (laughs) it's possibly toxic? I don't know. Um, And now I can actually find that out really, really quickly and really carefully. So Shazam for plants. What's it it called? What is It is called... Picture this, which makes oh. me think that it must be selling something because that is a terrible, terrible name. That for sounds a plant like the kind app. of thing where um, they pivoted from some earlier idea for what this startup was going to be and then went, yeah. you know what? The one thing people are using this for is plants. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's pretty amazing. And yes, for anyone who wants to say you, you could have done that with Google Lens anyway, I know. I just wanted something dedicated. Yeah, no. Like, look- you know, I know I can beat open a can with a hammer, but I'd like a can opener. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I, I, it sounds really good to me. And, again, I think we're kind of very similar to you in that we've had a lot of stuff kind of spring to life this season. Um, you know, we've always had heritage roses and stuff here at our house, and it's always lovely. Um, but there's definitely been kind of a lot more things um, you know, making appearances in the garden where having been in this house for five years that uh, it's been wet at the right time of the year to kind of really kick off a lot of springtime blossoms uh, that we wouldn't ordinarily have seen. So I love the idea of grabbing an app to actually go and help work out what the hell <laughs> what the hell is out there and what is worth keeping and what is worth getting rid of. And look, can't recommend bearded irises enough. They they look like an accident that happened on top of a plant. They're gorgeous. They're amazing. <laughs> awesome. Look, one of the things that I've been paying attention to over the last couple of weeks that I thought is worth having a quick chat about is the NVIDIA 30 series video cards. 
awesome year oh. over year upgrade to the technology. So when they announced, you know, most uh, the bit that always confused me, of course, is they went from you know the, they had the like the eights, the nines, the tens, then they jumped to twenty, and the twenty series was you know it was like well it was the shift to RTX, kind of the ray tracing technologies. Um, but then instead of sticking with the 20s, they've gone to the 30s. So clearly they've decided we've added a zero, but now we're just going to count up again at the first digit. Yeah, yeah, sure. You know, and then they're like, we'll worry about it in 10 years' time, what we do next, okay? <laughs> um, but look, these the new- Xbox strategy. <laughs> oh, my God. XXXX. Don't, don't, yeah. don't. <laughs> um, so NVIDIA series. Uh, the 30 series, it's definitely been a bigger year-over-year leap than many people are expecting because I think we all sort of thought, okay, yep, the ray tracing jump last year was kind of a big thing. It kind of had a bit of tension around the idea that it wasn't a huge leap in some regards, um, but once you were adding in the ray tracing technology in games and different applications, then that was where you got all the benefits. Um but what's happening now is, yeah, we've seen like up to 50% performance improvement uh, is what they've been suggesting um, over last year's top cards. And then, you know, or at the same performance, a much cheaper price. So a lot of people have been excited to try to upgrade immediately. And that has consequently led to very similar scenes to Xbox and PlayStation pre-order type shenanigans. <laughs> Um, but kind of even worse in a sense that I guess, you know, whereas Sony and, uh, and, and Microsoft know how closely these things get watched and therefore, so they careful and apologize and stuff here in Australia, it's been just a total mess for the graphics card fans and, you know, NVIDIA, well, their one apology was going, we originally weren't going to get these kind of initial founders edition cards. Um, And then they went, look, sorry. Yeah. You know, we know we've got fans there too. We'll make sure that some stock gets down to Australia. Um, And in that process, then we've had Australian resellers um, do some of the just dumbest and most awkward and even potentially sort of dodgy activities to do everything from, uh, you know, just really kind of bad efforts to try to stop scalpers. Well, actually, some of them did well. I think it was M-Wave who did a really good job of basically creating a situation where they said they were going to individually review um you know, people's applications to kind of buy a card to make sure that it wasn't just some kind of reseller effort. And then, of course, some people tried to kind of dance around that. And when they got their alert that they were actually successful, before they even got the card, they started listing them on eBay at exorbitantly inflated prices. (sighs) And so MY basically went, okay, yeah, we've worked out who those people are. Uh, We've cancelled their orders. Uh, They can piss off. And that's like, okay, well done. Love it. Well um, done, M Wave. That's great. Yes, yeah, so that was great. Um, then we had other sellers uh, basically getting caught uh, inflating prices, uh, which the ACCC has uh, gotten involved with. I think that was the folks over at Kotaku and Gizmodo uh, managing to, I think, did some of the research that led to that information being passed along to the ACCC to go, mm, is this okay over here? And like, no, no, it's not. Um, so that was kind of, you know, great research by the team there. And then what was the third one? Um, then, oh yeah. And then someone else doing the fake 
uh, fake discount where it's like, oh, the price should have been this much, but it's really this much. And it's like, actually, that is just the actual retail price, um, which is causing its own problem. And I think whoever that was has said, oh, it was just an error. Oh, it's just a system error. We're really sorry about that. Um, sure, sure, sure. Sure it was. But it's just that awkward thing where you go day one chasing this kind of stuff down. And the big message that I wanted to just complete this little weird update rant with is you don't need to get the latest graphics card on day one <laughs> because it's not like Sony and it's not like a PlayStation and an Xbox where you kind of are going to miss out. If you, if you have to wait a few months, you're not there for kind of all the excitement of all the day one activity these are graphics cards where it's like your computer can run really cool stuff and it and and whatever settings you can currently run it on okay we'll get better on the new one but you can still do things on your computer and so it's okay to just kind of chill out for a moment and 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 just even these cards will get better as other companies release cards at the moment these are kind of like the first cards coming from nvidia direct and like as other companies take the tech and go oh what if we added like better cooling what if we do this other trick with the card um that over the next year the cards just get better and better and better so it's not like buying a computer that's going to be exactly the same for the next five years it's like it gets better if you let it so i'm annoyed that the companies have been so kind of crappy at distributing these awesome new cards, but I'd also call on a lot of people to just chill out and wait for the cards to get better because then you'll kind of laugh at these first people who got all caught up in paying mega price for the first cards. You go, ha-ha, the one I got three months later is actually an even better card, so screw you. Look, I wish I could remember who said this on Twitter, so my apologies for stealing your comment without remembering who you were. Uh, but someone pointed out that if you wanted to buy one of, uh, from distillery Archie Rose, if you wanted to buy one of their specialist concoctions that they've made, one of their rare gins or rare whiskies, you go into a lottery to be decided if you're one of the people who will actually make that purchase, therefore proving that a booze manufacturer is better at day one sales than Sony, Xbox, or anyone else. <laughs> All right, I have to pause for a second because my family just arrived home and I've locked them out. <laughs> one well, if you had a ring. <laughs> oh, I know, I should have. God damn it. I'll be back. <laughs> While Seamus is gone, I'm going to um, keep enjoying this beer I've got at the moment, the American Red Ale from Slipstream Brewing. Um, quite tasty, I'd say. Uh, it's a, just a, a dark red, a bit of malt, bit of citrus, bit of pine. I was just doing a beer review while you were gone. Oh, All okay, good. well done. All right, well, I might just leave that in then because what the hell? <laughs> this is like... Yeah, what the hell? <laughs> this is this is all. Live podcast this is very weird. Look, um, I don't exactly have a tip for this week, All right. but I have found myself replaying the most recent Diablo game, and I, I don't. How old is that now? Six years? Seven? I don't remember. Yeah, that's it's six exactly years. what I wanted. 
It's exactly what I wanted. It is mindless clicking. There is always something happening on the screen. Things go boom. You get rewarded because you clicked at the right rate or the right level and you click the hardest. And you know what? It's exactly what I wanted. I'm taking a break from narrative heavy games for just a little while. If you need a bit of mindless fun, do not forget games like that. I'm having a blast. That's a really good point too, because, you know, like Diablo, they've kind of managed to kind of keep it flowing. Like they had the one expansion that came out. Uh, there were stories about the fact that there was kind of a second one in development, but they mm-hmm. actually shut it down before the first one was even released. And of course, the first one made a whole bunch of updates that made the game better and people kind of started coming back to it, but they'd already cancelled the second expansion. Um, so the team at Diablo has kind of done a great job of of keeping kind of the wheels turning with all the seasonal stuff they've done. I don't know if you made a seasonal mm-hmm. character or if you just kind of jumped into adventure mode. But again, that idea of adventure mode where you kind of go, yeah, I, I don't even want to worry about the storyline that this game has to offer. I just want to get in there and kill things as fast as I can and go to any place on the map I want to go. And I can just go, yeah, send me to that town. Great. Now I'm going to run around and kill things here. And there's like bounties you can collect to just get cooler loot faster you're right it's kind of just i mean it's the i always love the classic loot pinata um you know (laughs) analogy because it is it's like you kill things and things fall out of them and you get all the cool new stuff um it's and you're having a blast and yeah no i'm loving it i'm absolutely loving it brilliant and look my little kind of tip here by the time you hear this it is probably over so again this is a a pseudo tip (laughs) But um, Legacy Esports this past weekend delivered the best performance of an Australian esports team at any international event, full stop. Um, They, um, okay, I'm sure some people would debate me on that as a concept, but League of Legends is the biggest esport in the world these days. Um, And the Australian champions, Legacy Esports, have gone to Shanghai. They kind of did the whole um, bubble setup so that they were quarantined for two weeks, so that they've been able to hold the event in person with all the biggest teams in the world. Uh, Legacy was, because we're a small region, we go into kind of a little wildcard play-in sort of tournament um, where like the, a lot like, you know, in sort of the the football kind of, you know, FIFA type stuff where it'll be like, okay, well, the smallest teams kind of have to play via these kind of other teams Whereas, you know, the fourth ranked team out of like Europe and the fourth ranked team out of America, they kind of get to be part of this sort of little playoff, you know, rather than us getting a direct entry to the group stage. Um, so, of course, no Australian team has ever made it to the group stage. Uh, and at this year's, no, uh, they call it the play-ins. During the play-ins so far, um, we actually came equal first in our group and it was amazing. They kind of, on their first two games, they kind of split the games, uh, one win, one loss. They lost to uh, Team Liquid, which is, you know, one of the biggest teams in the world. It just happened that they kind of, they didn't rank that well out of the season in the US. So we managed to top the group equally with them and had a little playoff, um, which we got smashed in. But, you know, um, because we then... (laughs) came second, it meant we then progressed to this next knockout stage. Um, And, yeah, whereas if we'd won that game, we would have gone straight to groups. So it was a huge kind of game that took place on Monday night. Um, But, yeah, we got smashed in that game. But they still were feeling really excited because with a 3-1 and record out of that 
initial playing round. Um, it was the best performance by any Australian team. And then right now they are playing against China's LGD for this best of five knockout. Um, whoever wins this goes through to the group stage. And I've seen people describe it as like a genuine Cinderella story type of uh, you know, type of event because LGD is one of the biggest esports organizations in the world. They have got like superstar players who get played, you know, who get paid very serious salaries to be part of the team. Mm. You know, here in Australia in the Oceanic, uh, you know, uh, Pro League, our guys get paid maybe, you know, a few hundred bucks a week. Um, and, you know, it's kind of a part-time type thing for them in a lot of respects. You know, some of the top players might kind of be, you know, making a living out of it. But it it is totally like the minnows going up against one of the absolute giants. And if we could pull this off, it would be spectacular. We're in the very first round in a best of five. I can see that uh, we're like 25 minutes in. LGD is, you know... We're not getting spanked. It looks like it's actually quite a kind of a balanced match, which is great to see for the very first round that the team is, you know, it's we're not getting rolled over by any means. So really kind of exciting to see that they're putting in a good showing at this stage. But like in that first set of rounds, they actually managed to, uh, one of the games, I did a calculation, uh, the current UEFA football rankings are that like Italy is ranked fourth in Europe right now in football. Mm-hmm. And so one of the matches that we won in that first playing stage was against the fourth ranked European team. And like we smashed them. And it was just that glorious evening where you suddenly, suddenly go, yeah, this is the equivalent of Australia beating Italy, not in a friendly, but in a tournament. And potentially you know, almost knocking them out of the tournament. Um, and in fact, they have now been knocked out. But so it was kind of such a cool moment where we played well above expectation. Um, you know, and yeah, it's just really exciting to see them at least get to this next phase, even if they don't manage to beat LGD. The idea that they're even playing against this kind of level of team in this tournament and playing for that opportunity to go where no one's ever gone before from Australia is just awesome. So massive kudos to them. By the time you hear this, we'll know the results of this uh, of this best of five series. But whatever happens, they've done brilliantly, and it's really great to see them pull this off. Go Legacy, you legends. That is absolutely amazing. Yeah, and look, yeah, they're owned by Adelaide Football Club. Um, actually, I did have a... a podcast earlier in the week uh no on friday with um with tim wendell who's one the manager of the team uh you know he had a chat to me from shanghai and it is just it's such an exciting thing for them and it's been kind of great in that legacy is one of those teams that's actually been around since the very very start of the opl and they have always like they've been a very regular uh bridesmaid uh, in the tournaments, and uh, this year was the first time that they sort of got to the top of the table, and they won both halves of the year. They've got a really strong team, and the fact that they've gone over there and put in an amazing showing is fantastic. And the classic issue from here is usually going to be that a few of their players actually get bought by international teams, uh, and they kind of slow things down. Oh. Um, but you know, there's kind of a joke there almost actually that you know that the local pro league is like a farm system for because we do have though. A whole bunch of Australian players who now play 
over in international leagues. And in that sense, it's like, hey, bring on the, you know, uh, world championship where it is actually people representing their country because we now have a great stable of players who'd be able to come back together to uh, take on the world and, and put in a great showing, much like uh, in the football as well. Look, we need to wrap this thing up. We do. Nick, how are you uh how are you? How are you? That's at the start of the show. Where can people find you and what you've been up to? Just track me down on Twitter. It is at dr underscore nic. If you want to hear what I do for a day job, ABC Listen app will let you have a listen to Western Plains. I do the breakfast show there, uh, six thirty-five a.m. onwards. Catch me Monday to Friday. Brilliant. You can find me at, at Seamus on Twitter and, of course, at Byteside is also there and at the Byteside on Instagram. And email us, ask at Byteside.com if you have any questions or comments or want us to talk about any topics in particular. We are always interested in hearing from you. But until next time, we will, well, we'll catch you then.